message is called purpose. Tell the person next to you, purpose. Purpose. In the beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, he said, be fruitful and multiply. Add to my family. You know, a family is based on love. You think about an earthly family. You've got a husband and wife. They get together and they love each other. There's intimacy that happens. They have babies. Children are produced out of love. Children are empowered and supportive, and they're launched out of the house out of love. They grow, and they fall in love, and they have children of their own. The church is God's family. And one picture that he uses over and over to describe the church, to describe us, those who believe in Jesus, it's a picture of a bride. And it's so sweet. We're going to look at it in Ephesians 5, verse 26. If you have your Bible, you can turn there now. It says, Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And he's talking about how husbands should love their wives, but he's also giving us a picture of what Jesus does when we trust in him. And you see, before we trust in Jesus, we have filthy rags for robes. We have sin, and he gives us a robe of righteousness. His blood, it cleanses us. He gives us a brand new white, dazzling robe. He makes us whole and holy in him. Come on. He speaks to us. He says his words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. That's what Jesus does. Mostly he loves us, and as he loves us, he brings the best out of us. And as we spend time with him, we keep company with him, we learn this life of love. We learn to live freely and lightly just by spending time with him. It's like when you get married. Uh, When I married my husband, Jay, in 2007, I didn't know anything about sports. I came from a family where that doesn't matter. But you know what? As I got to spend time with my husband, as we love each other and we relate to one another, I learned that the best teams are the Cowboys and the Yankees and the Heat. I didn't have to study those things. I'm not like, what are the stats? No, no, no. I I learned what my husband loves from loving him. And as I got to know him, my thinking around sports changed. And when we, we become a part of God's family, we learn things from him. We learn freedom. We learn boldness. We learn love. We spend time with Jesus. And as we get to know him, we rest in his love. He changes us. His Holy Spirit living in us changes us. And we're going to look at Song of Songs. It's an entire book of the Bible that talks about how Jesus makes his bride beautiful and holy by casting out fear with perfect love. It's an allegory of a bride and a groom who passionately pursue one another. And we're going to be reading it from the Passion Translation. Because of all the translation, this one has the literal word meaning and also the original understanding, like when the people would have read it, what did it mean to them? Because it's an allegory. And so I'm going to read it on the screen from you uh, for you. It's uh, chapter 8, verse 11. It says, um, my bridegroom king has a vineyard of love made from a multitude of followers. So this is the bride talking about the groom. 
This is us talking about Jesus. It says, he has a vineyard of love made from a multitude of followers. Isn't that such a great picture about how he's the vine, we're the branches, we're in his vineyard connected to him, and all together we are collectively his bride. And our bridegroom, he also longs to know each one of us intimately in a private and a personal way. So he says to us, uh, Song of Songs, chapter 4, verse 1, and if you have the Passion Translation, this is actually red letters because this is the words of Jesus. It says, listen, my dearest darling, you are so beautiful. He says this to you. You are beauty itself to me. Your eyes are like gentle doves behind your veil. What devotion I see each time I gaze upon you. You are like a sacrifice ready to be offered. When I look at you, I see how you have taken my fruit. You've tasted my word. We have the fruit of the Spirit. We have the word of God. Your life has become clean and pure. Not because we tried, but because he makes it so. He cleanses us. Like a lamb washed and newly shorn, you now show grace and balance with truth on display. Verse 9. You reach into my heart. With one flash of your eyes, I'm undone by your love, my beloved, my equal, my bride. Wow, isn't that so personal? When we turn our attention to him, when we spend time with him, he says, you reach into my heart. He opens up his heart to us. Next part, he says, you leave me breathless. I'm overcome by merely a glance from your worshiping eyes, for you've stolen my heart. I'm held hostage by your love and by the graces of righteousness shining upon you. Verse 13, your inward life is now sprouting bringing forth fruit. What a beautiful paradise unfolds within you. And and that's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's producing the fruit in us. He's the one who makes us so radiant and pure. We don't do any of that, but it's his love that does it. We just receive, we trust him, we say yes to him. Come on. And this is the greatest love story ever told. It's the love that we were created for. And as we talk about purpose today, we must start with our identity. Identity is who we are. Purpose is what we do. And oftentimes we get it backwards, you know. When we meet somebody, we're like, what do you do? Because we think that's the most important thing. But what we do, it comes out of who we are. King Solomon, he was the wisest person who ever lived. He asked God for wisdom. God gave him wisdom and so many other things along with it. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And in this book, he's experienced everything. He's achieved everything. He's enjoyed everything. He had 700 wives, 300 concubines. He's got lots of hobbies. He enjoyed music and horticulture and construction. He tried all kinds of food. He knew everything, but he says all of that was empty. Everything under the sun is meaningless. The only way we try that we find true fulfillment is in the next book that he wrote, the one we just talked about, Song of Songs. So in Ecclesiastes, he's like, here's everything under the sun, all the things you could do, and really at the end of the day, they're meaningless. Here's Song of Songs. The most important thing you could do is love God. The most important thing you can do is trust in Jesus. The most important thing you can do is get to know him at a personal level. Come on. Everything else comes out of that one relationship. And so point one today is we find purpose in the person of Jesus. 
we find purpose in the person of Jesus. When you know him, he starts to unfold his purpose for your life. I was reading a story of a young man. He was walking on the beach with his 80-year-old grandpa. They're just walking along, enjoying the morning. And all of a sudden, grandpa starts skipping and like getting really far ahead of his grandson. And the grandson's like, oh my gosh, I, I think I might have to run to catch up with him. Okay. He gets to his grandpa. He's like, hey, pops, what you doing? And he's like, you know, I just got to thinking how much God loves me. And it just made me want to skip. And so that's what I did. I love that. It's just the love of God. Not just knowing about God, but knowing him. It changes your life. And it's how you find out who you really are. Let's look at Ephesians 1 and verse 3. Let's see. Long before he laid down the earth's foundations, God had us in mind. He had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love, just like we were reading earlier. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. Let's see, where else did I go on this? Verse 11 and 12. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, designs for us, for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he's working out in everything and everyone. God is working out your purpose. He's working out purpose in everything and everyone. And we discover that purpose by getting to know him. He shows us what the point of life is, to know him. He's got a great plan for your life, but he generally doesn't show it all to you at once because it would probably scare you. It's a really good plan, but I mean, we worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. Can you imagine knowing the next 50 years would be too much? As we trust him day to day, he unfolds his plan to us, to our surprise and delight. 1 Corinthians 10.32 says, as a matter of fact, do everything heartily and freely to God's glory. At the same time, don't be callous in your exercise of freedom, thoughtlessly stepping on the toes of those who aren't as free as you are. Our purpose is to know God and do everything heartily and freely to his glory. Come on. The verse before that was just talking about eating food because they were arguing over who should eat what food. And he's saying, do it to God's glory. If he's talking about something so simple as food, what do you think he's saying about everything else in life? Do your job to God's glory wholeheartedly and freely without fear. Enjoy what God has given you to do. Don't let the enemy steal from you with guilt or shame. Work out to God's glory wholeheartedly, freely, without insecurity. Come on, it's to God's glory. Go to school to God's glory. Shine bright because of whose you are. Parent your kids to God's glory. Come on, wholeheartedly, freely, without pressure. Make love to your spouse to God's glory wholeheartedly and freely. No shame. Come on. Use every moment to bring God glory. Fully live the life that he has given you. Don't hold back. Trust in who he is. Make the most of his saving and healing power. 
Our calling, it's not wrapped up in a job or profession. We get distracted by those things. Our calling as the church, the called out ones, is to walk through the doors that God puts in front of us and reveal who he is to our generation. We're a part of what he is building for generations. We're a part of a bigger story that he's writing. We're chosen generation, chosen to tell people about what God has done in our lives. Through the power of the cross and the blood of Jesus, we are connected to God the Father. And we're in an encounter with his presence. We're a walking encounter with the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Our purpose is not as small as what we do. We are called to release the reality of who God is wherever we go. Come on. Our careers, our marriages, our parenting, they're part of a bigger picture. Point two, we find our purpose as a part of the church. We find our purpose as a part of the church. The church is the bride of Jesus. Another picture that God gives us is the body of Jesus. And it's in 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 13. And there's actually lots of places where they talk about uh, us being the body. But this is just one of them that we're going to look at. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We choose to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink. As it is, we're skipping down to verse 18, we see God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wants it. And then down to verse 27, and you can read the rest of the chapter this week. It says, you are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. I love this. By means of the Holy Spirit, God places each of us in a different part of the body. He placed us there. We don't choose it. He chooses it. And as we accept that part, as we accept who he made us to be, then our part, it means something. There are people in this church who love serving kids, like really good kids and some of the wild kids, you know, who had sugar for breakfast. You love, 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 love serving them. You're like, this is awesome. When God calls you, he equips you. He's created you to be able to serve kids in a way that other people can't. He placed you where, you want, where he wanted you. And when you accept that part, you find so much meaning. It's not a struggle. If working with kids stresses you out, maybe God didn't put you in that part of the body. Or maybe you're like, oh, I hate talking to people. It's scary. It's a burden. It's not easy. It's not joyful. That's totally fine. God hasn't graced you for that. There are some people who we have to like pull out of conversations to say, come to church, okay? You're so busy talking because you just love people. You know who you are. You make everyone around you feel so welcome. When I say turn to your neighbor, you're like, yes. Your neighbor's like, ah. When people start volunteering, they often ask us, well, where's the greatest need? And we're like, who cares about need? We ask, what is your part? Who has God made you to be? How has God created you? Come on. 
we don't serve because the church needs volunteers. We could do most of this with a handful of people. No, we serve because we are the church. We each have a part that God has created us to be that no one else can do. Come on. Our identity is as sons and daughters of him. It's as his bride. But what we do, we serve. We serve one another. The people around us, they have what we need. Instead of a small, piecemeal life, we want to live a large, integrated life, a small part of something big. Now, sometimes your weakness is an indication of your calling. I used to pass out when I did public speaking in high school and college. I was in the remedial courses. We were were all struggling and suffering together. But when God called me to this, he equipped me. Sometimes he does that. One of our students for student takeover, I asked him to speak, and he shut me down. He's like, no way, that is not me. But then I said, you know, just talk to God about it and see what he says. And he's like, oh, uh, I guess God wants me to speak. I'm like, great. And then we saw his practice this week, and I was like, are you kidding me? He's one of the most gifted communicators I've ever seen. I can't wait for you to see it. On the 17th, too, at Student Takeover, it's going to be so good. But sometimes we say no to something that God wants us to do. And then sometimes you really can't do something. Like if you can't sing and you're like, God, I give you my voice. Use it beautifully. Send me to Nepal like Anna. And then your voice empties the building. God has not graced you for that. Your actual part is missing, and and someone can help you find it. We're here to help you find it. We can't all be the same thing. Church would be so boring if we were all singers. I love our band, but I love our other teams too. All right, Romans 12, 6. It says, let's go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. It says, just be. That's who you are, your identity. Be before God. Be who he made you to be. And do out of that. Another version says that we have gifts according to the grace given to each of us. We did not make these gifts happen anyway. Holy Spirit gives them to us. He gives them to us to give to others. It's an overflow. If God has made you a thumb, you're going to have a really hard time as an eyeball. Thank you. They think I'm really funny over there. (laughs) For God's grace to be released through us, we must find our place. Many Christians are miserable serving God because they're not being who God made them to be. They're like, oh, God, why am I so stressed all the time? You're not being the body part he made you to be. Stop trying so hard. Trust him. If you're not in the area of your gifting, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be burnt out. Don't blame God for that. Come on. He's always speaking. Listen to what he's saying to you. You should feel refreshed and sustained by the Holy Spirit. Like that verse that we saw earlier. We go to him to drink. When we serve him, man, I feel so refreshed. I feel so energized. I feel excited about what God's doing through me. And again, it's not all about the do. I I can do lots of things for God's glory. It doesn't have to be pastoring. Sometimes... Some things I'm competent at, some things I'm good at, some things I'm not good at. I've tried lots of things. When my son was a baby, I would entrust him to the Dreamers team. They're amazing. I had so much peace when I handed him over to those ladies, people like Pat and Sharon and Mara. Oh, 
my goodness, I knew he was going to have the best day. But for me, I am not gifted to serve in the nursery and serve everyone's kids. That is a little stressful to me. That's okay. God has created people who are like, let me at those babies. Come on, let me snuggle them. I ran camera for one of our camps. Not so great at it. I don't have the upper body strength. But you know what? I did it to God's glory because sometimes we step into things that maybe we're not perfectly suited to, but God asks us to do, and we just say yes to him. Point three, we find our purpose through our personality and our gifting. God's created each of us uniquely, just the way he's wanted us to be. Chances are you already know some of your personality and your gifting. Whenever someone joins a team here, I hope our directors meet with them. They help them discover their Enneagram personality tell, but just it tells us, you know, what motivates them. It tells you uh, how God has wired you. It's just a tool. And then we talk about spiritual gifts. Uh, one of our directors met with someone last week, and I don't know what they meet about really, but she came and told me, she's like, it's so awesome. That person that I met with, they said, wow, I should pay you instead of my therapist because that helped me so much. <laughs> this is way more helpful. I'm not surprised. It's not that that director is super special or anything. They just found their part in the body. They trusted God, and now they get to help other people. And each of us has stuff that God has given to us that's really, really good and someone else needs. It's not for us to keep. 1 Peter 4.10. Be generous with the different things God gave you. Passing them around so all get in on it. If it's words, let it be God's words. If it's help, let it be God's hearty help. That way God's bright presence will be evident in everything through Jesus. He'll get all the credit as the one mighty in everything. Encores to the end of time. Oh, yes. Come on. It's not about us. We don't need to be afraid to screw it up. We just say yes to God. He gets the credit. We're just generous with what he's given us. If it's talking to people, give that away. If it's helping people, give that away. That's what God has given to you. Simply give it away. Ask yourself, what is it that I do that when other people see it, it makes them give thanks to God? It makes them praise God. It makes them give him encores to the end of time. We did a whole series on this last December called Crafted. It's about how the Holy Spirit uh, gives us each spiritual gifts. And if you'd like to know more about that, you can go back and listen to it online. Uh, you can also sign up at info at nyhopechurch.com if you want to be a part of a team. See how God has gifted you, the personality that he's given you. You know, discover your part in his family. Discover your part in this body. And we'll help you, but really it's the Holy Spirit who, who does all the discovering. Uh, point four, we find our purpose through the Holy Spirit's prompting. We find our purpose through the Holy Spirit's prompting. Last year, uh, I was part of a, a pastor's coaching cohort uh, with Christine Kane, and she also runs an organization called A21, and it's all about um, abolishing slavery. Uh, so Right now, there's 50 million people in the world in slavery, which is more than at any other point in history. Um, one of four of those are children, which is crazy. And I was thinking about this a few months ago and thinking, like, maybe we should get involved, you know, with their March for Freedom. And then one of our staff, uh, Mary, was like, 
man, I just feel so burdened about human trafficking a few weeks later. And uh, right now, some of our missionaries, and I can't tell you which ones because it's a security risk, they're in the middle of working with the UN and A21 and the Department of Homeland Security because um, some of the people in their group ended up uh, being human trafficked. Uh, they went to a country for a job and it was a trick. And, you know, they're working with the government now and all those organizations to get them back. And I think God's got a really cool thing that he's doing there. And we're going to have a really awesome testimony to tell you about that. Hopefully next week. Come on. But, Yeah. We refuse to just talk about injustice, to just post on social media. We have the ability to raise awareness and support so people can be set free from slavery. And so, you know, the Holy, Holy Spirit's prompting to me and the mayor and then now with our, our missionaries. Um, so we're going to be a part of that. It's on Saturday, October 14th, 9 a.m. We're going to be leading this area and churches in walking for freedom. So, yeah, come on. And you can uh, use the QR code to, to get the page so you can sign up later. There's quite a few steps. So don't sign up now because you'll tune everything out and miss the rest of the message. But get it on your phone so you have it. Uh, this is something for uh, teens through adults. And uh, we're going to be walking on around Market Street starting in Centerway and just uh, peaceably raising awareness that there are still people in slavery and saying we're going to do something about it. So uh, if you want to be a part of that and God is prompting you, go ahead, sign up. Let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. That's the point. That's what the early church did. Uh, Paul, in Acts 20, he said, I feel compelled to go to Jerusalem. I'm completely in the dark about what will happen when I get there. In other words, I'm just trusting Holy Spirit to lead me there. I don't know what the next step is. Verse 23, I do know it won't be any picnic, for the Holy Spirit has let me know repeatedly and clearly there are hard times and imprisonment ahead. The Holy Spirit wasn't trying to scare him, just giving him warning, hey, this is what you're going to deal with when you get there. 24, but that matters little. What matters most to me is to finish what God started. The job the master Jesus gave me of letting everyone I meet know all about this incredibly extravagant generosity of God. He went where the Holy Spirit prompted him. He knew that he was going to face obstacles, but he said nothing else matters than telling people about God and his love. There's a lot of times in Acts where he talks about the Holy Spirit told us to go here, Holy Spirit told us to go there, and we simply did what the Holy Spirit said to do. And this comes from just spending time with Jesus and learning how to listen to him. Uh, we do this the first and third Thursday of every month at 6 p.m. right here in this room. We just listen to the Spirit together. We rest in God's presence together. We worship and we pray. If you want to learn how to listen to Him, come this Thursday. God graces us with gifts, and the Holy Spirit guides us where He wants us to go. You notice the theme, God does all of this? We just say yes. Point five, last point. We find our purpose in the people around us. We find our purpose in the people around us. Most of the time, your purpose is right in front of you in the relationships that you already have. Sometimes we take it for granted. We take our people for granted. But these are people that God has for you to reach. 
People are the most important thing to him. They last for eternity. Come on, nothing else matters like the investment we can make in people. And the Holy Spirit, he'll prompt us to help people. Yes, sometimes by meeting their needs. Yes, by marching for freedom. Yes, by feeding the hungry. Yes, by helping Hawaii. But also by telling them about Jesus. Telling them what he has done for us. We don't have to have all the answers. We're going to talk about this more in our next series, Ghost Stories, just all about the Holy Ghost and how he's changed our lives and how we tell others about his goodness. We have a message from God for a sick and dying world, and it's the good news of the kingdom. The gospel is the cure for our biggest problem, which is sin. Come on. There's so many people around us where sin is poisoning them. It's crippling them. They need freedom. And God has entrusted us with the cure. It's his saving power for those who believe. It's the center of everything that we do. We have one message for the world. It's the message that they need the most, the good news of Jesus. Does that mean we're going to stand on the street corner and yell at people? No. Does that mean talking to people just to convert them? Like, oh, i got to make five friends now to tell them about Jesus? No, don't do that. Not genuine. It means looking at your life and all the people around you and saying, God, where can I share with them? They have a problem. Where can I share the solution that I found in you? Where can I invite them to church? Could be your family, could be your friends, your coworkers. Where can you pray for them? We had someone call a few weeks ago. They said, is anyone allowed to come to your church or do I need permission? They didn't know. They have no church background. It's like going to a party at someone's house where you don't know anybody at the house. You would feel awkward. It's a whole lot easier if someone invites you and then introduces you to the members of the family. Don't just assume other people are inviting them either. That's okay. That's great. Lots of people are inviting them to church. Awesome. In the state of New York, there's one church for every 6,000 people. That's crazy. We can't over-invite. When we're in close relationship with Jesus, the result is spiritual children. It's a natural result of intimacy, right? We all start as babies in God's family. We grow up to toddlers and teenagers, and we're mature adults, and we have spiritual children. Not through trying, but by enjoying our relationship with God, receiving his love and just having it to give away. It's an overflow. It's almost like, wow, I accidentally just told someone about what God's doing in my life because I'm spending time with him. I can't help but talk about him. We're the bride of Jesus. We love talking about our groom. And you know what a loving marriage produces? Babies. Right now on our staff, we have eight families and half of those are pregnant. Holy cow. Intimacy produces children. It's a natural result, come on. It's a fun result. It's not work. Song of Songs, 7-1. How beautiful on the mountain are those sandaled feet of this one bringing good news. You are royalty. The way you walk so gracefully in my ways displays such dignity. Jesus says this. You are truly the poetry of God, his very handiwork. Out of your innermost being is flowing the fullness of my spirit, never failing to satisfy. Within your womb, 
There is a birthing of harvest wheat. They are the sons and daughters nurtured by the purity you impart. We have sons and daughters that God has called us to reach out to. We have spiritual children just waiting. Right now, they are waiting for you. Jesus says, go make disciples. Tell them about me and I'll be with you. I'll help you. This is the mission of the church. Find your identity in the person of Jesus. Take up the part that God has given you in his body. Use your personality and gifts from the Holy Spirit. Listen to his prompting. Look at the people around you. There's your purpose. Let's pray together. Go ahead and bow your heads. Let's close our eyes. Being a part of God's family, it comes from putting our trust in Jesus. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that now. Maybe you've never trusted in Jesus before, or it's been a long time. Maybe you walked away from him. He loves when his kids come back to him. He loves when his kids come to him. He loves you so much. He brought you here today. But it's up to you to respond to him. And the way we do it is simply by believing with our hearts and by praying together. So we're just going to pray out loud together from our seats. If you want to trust in Jesus, go ahead and pray along with us. We say, God, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I trust you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you that I'm your bride. Make me a new creation and show me how to live for you. Pray this in Jesus' name.